for Kingsley Armstrong as he comes to bless us this morning and excuse him he's Irish and he can't help it amen good morning everyone hey it's great to be back here this morning I always Kathy and I and the kids always look forward to coming here and to spend some time with Philip and his family and just to enjoy some Louisiana hospitality and uh, do you know, I don't actually, I, I wasn't going to mention any football this morning because I, I turned out, you know, your American football is a little bit different from the English game. The English proper football, you know, the real kicking it with a round ball, you know, at, at 90 minutes the game's over. I, I sort of gave up last night at about, I think it was about six hours into the game. I thought I'd had enough. I don't know if I want to live anymore watching American football. So I turned my TV off and went to sleep. So I don't even know what the score was last night. So it wasn't good. All right. Okay. Well, that, that's... All right, I'll not say any more about that then this morning. So I've got a drive to Alabama tomorrow, so maybe there's, is there better news up there? Is that they are very happy this morning. Great to be with you today. And, and if, if you are interested, I know many of you are in the ministry, please take one of our newsletters. It's out on the, on the foyer. And if you, can, if you want to follow us, www.thejoshuaproject.co.uk or if you have a, a, an iPhone or iPad, J16 from the App Store will get our app so you can follow what goes along with us. I want to just show you a little bit of a, a video this morning uh, before I, I just speak. went to Pakistan this year and I'm going back again in March. Pakistan is probably up at the top now of, of the most dangerous countries to go to. Just something has kicked off there in this last few months. And I believe it's because God's about to do something amazing in that place. So I have a friend over there called Muslim John. Uh, and he's an, an amazing guy, young guy, probably early 30s, him and his wife and several children, and just wanting to serve God and spent some time with him this year and decided we were going to go back because we saw something of what God wants to do with the leaders. So we're doing a leadership conference in Karachi in March, end of March, beginning of April this year. And this is just an interview that I did with him. So I hope you'll enjoy it. It's just a few minutes. Just have a little watch. Rewriting the story of Pakistan. As you know about Pakistan is a difficult place to, to stay when 
that when God puts you somewhere, He gives you faith to survive in that situation. Our Christian brothers and sisters are also facing problems where they are working. They, they normally don't get good jobs because they are Christians. There is a position and if they get a job, then there is a problem. Even they are hardworking, good skilled people, but they, they don't get promotion in their offices just because of uh, being a Christian. We are looking forward to organize a conference in Pakistan and the vision behind is because we, we are living in a difficult country, in a difficult time. And I, being a man of God, have seen so many pastors, evangelists and men of God leaving, quitting the ministry because of family problems, because of financial crisis and because of the persecution and situation in Pakistan. So I feel it very important to do leadership program not just because of past because not just for pastors only we would like to do for every walk of Christian people to come and join this conference so we we really would like to encourage them uplift them give them some uh, word from from the Bible to survive in these kind of situations so they may continue their ministry and they may continue their business and all the work they are doing. And we are looking forward to do this leaders conference in, in a hotel and there will be a food cost, hall cost and we, we really want to have near about 500 leaders, pastors, evangelists, businessmen, teachers, social workers all of these key leaders so we would really like to affect the community in in Karachi city and there is a cost involved so we we need your prayers for that we would like to have this conference early next year 2014 and the theme for the conference will be rewriting the story of Pakistan we're gonna rewrite the story of Pakistan change our country, change our nation, change the mentality and thinking of the people. We would like to see new change, new people coming, rising for the kingdom of God to transform this nation for Jesus Christ. Amen. And the good news is that uh, our brother Kingsley Armstrong, he has been to Pakistan a few times and we have requested him to come again because leaders uh, do like him and he, he is a real blessing. But we really would like to invite everybody from United Kingdom, from United States and from other parts of the world. Please come and stand with us, stand with Brother Kingsley. We really need a powerful team for this conference because we're going to rewrite the story of Pakistan starting next year. Thank you for your time and we really would like to bless you. We'll keep you in, your, in our prayers. And we request you to keep pray for this event next year and keep Pakistan in your prayers. Thank you very much. God bless you. This is the Regent Plaza Hotel where the team will be staying in 2014. I stayed here in 2013 and found it to be an excellent hotel. But most important thing is that the security is first class, which is very important both for us as a team and also for the local Pakistani leaders who will come to the conference here. We're hoping to hold a conference within this hotel and are currently negotiating with the management to uh, agree something with them. It will cost 
approximately between 15 and 20,000 US dollars for the two-day conference for 500 leaders to bring them to take them to this place. So please stand with us that God will meet every need and that he will look after us. The facilities in the hotel are first class. The rooms are excellent. There's a fitness area. There's a business center. And I know the team will be very comfortable. But more importantly, we'll bring the word of God to the leaders in this city. And together we will see the story rewritten, the story of Pakistan. Thank you for watching this. Please continue to pray with us throughout the rest of this year. And may God richly bless you. Good. Thank you for watching that. Hope you enjoyed it. Since, uh, since I took this, it was in Pakistan. Many of you will have, of course, watching the news. Uh, it was a little bit overshadowed, certainly in the UK, because of the events that happened in Nairobi in the shopping, center, shopping mall. Do you remember when, when so, many, so many people were killed? And the next morning, a Peshawar up in the northwest of Pakistan, 81 people were killed. I don't know if, you, if, it, was, if it was broadcast on the news here, but mums and, and dads and children were just walking out of church, just as we will in a little while this morning, and two suicide bombers walked towards them, detonated themselves, limbs flying everywhere, kids seeing things they should never have seen. 81 of them brought into, into eternity instantly. And since that, it has kicked off a new wave of persecution in Pakistan. And so they, they need our support. They need our help to stand with them. One family, since I was there, we've had to get them out. They're in Thailand. We had to get them out urgently because they were told by the Taliban they were going to be killed. So that's a husband and wife and I think three kids, all teenagers who are now living in, in Thailand. And Muslim John himself, we've been trying to help him because somebody was decapitated in the area where he lives. And a lot of the Christians are, are facing tremendous persecution. I sent some money over to him this week just to help him and his wife. And they were attacked on the way home from collecting the money with two men with guns and his wife is very frightened today. This is happening today. So we know that God is, is going to do something amazing. We saw some amazing things in, in March this past year and believe for this conference. I thought 500 is what we're going to go for because that's as much as my faith could extend to really. But uh, we've thrown that out of the way. 700 now is what we're aiming for. So we're going to a different bigger hotel that will hold 700 people. And I don't know where it's going to come from, but I know God God's going to do something amazing. That's going to relate to what I'm going to share on this morning. Kathy's going to come and read just our, our passage. If you've got your Bible, please turn to Mark chapter 6 and from verse 30. The few verses will come on the screen, but this is the full sort of message on the feeding of the 5,000. Mark chapter 6 from verse 30. And while you're finding it, I'd just like to say thank you over the past year for those of you who's prayed for us and kept us in in the presence of God by lifting us up as you think of us and pray. We appreciate it and we need it. We need to know that God is underpinning everything we do and that he's covering everything we do. And we thank you for your prayers. So God bless you. Mark chapter 6, verse 30. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place. Rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, 
When he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. And then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks, in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about five thousand men, and we thank God for his word. Amen. Yes, that's a wonderful, a wonderful passage of scripture. And do you know that is the only uh, miracle that Jesus did that's recorded in all four Gospels? That is the only one. You can get other, other miracles and things Jesus did that might appear in one. Some, some uh, in Luke's gospel, for example, the prodigal son, you get stories that Jesus told that's recorded just in one of the four gospels. But this story is the only one that's unique. All four gospel writers write about it. Now, why is that? I believe God, God doesn't waste his time saying things. He doesn't repeat himself unnecessary. He's not a modern preacher. He's someone who just says what he says because it's important. So when he repeats himself three times, it's in it four times in its entirety, it's because he wants us to, to hear something. And I want to just give you a few introductory thoughts on this this morning, and then I'll share with you why I'm sharing in this passage. Your theme over this last while is thanks bringing, to bring thanks to God, and that will relate to what I'm saying this morning. The story's about bread and fish. Bread is... Something I guess you like eating here in the States. As I travel around different countries in the world, bread is a very important commodity in many of the places that I go. It's the staple food. Certainly is in Ireland where I come from. We eat a lot of, of wheaten bread, which is, is a wonderful thing. I grew up in, grew up nearly every day my mother was, was baking uh, wheat and bread for the large family that I grew up in. Bread is important in Jesus' life. He was born in Bethlehem which means the house of bread. Beth is the house of, the house of bread, Beth, Beth Lechem, the house of bread. So before he was born, bread was important in Jesus' life. He stood up one day and he said, I am the bread of life. So during his life, bread was important to him. Just before he died, when he said it to his disciples, he didn't tell them to, to build churches in his name. He didn't tell them to remember him in any other way, but he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is the way I want you to remember me. So before he was born, during his life and after his life, bread is important in the life of Jesus. Now listen to these verses. We read some of them this morning. Second Corinthians 9 verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower 
and bread for food, or bread to the eater. Quoting Isaiah 55, verse 10, very familiar verse, as the rain comes down from heaven and doesn't return to it without accomplishing what God sent it for, he said, so, so that it might give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Seed is for sowing, bread is for eating. And what we did this morning in your offering time, when you bring your tithes and your offerings to God, or when you sow your seed, if you listen to any of the Christian uh, broadcasts come over over television, often people will encourage you to sow your seed. What you're doing when you sow your seed is you're sowing into your future. You're actually not, it's nothing that you get today. Seed, by definition, is something that takes time. It has to die. It has to reproduce. And then it will come back and it will do something for you in the future. But that's not what I'm, what I'm talking about today. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Bread is what we live on. Seed is what we sow for the future. Bread's what we live on today. It's what we need to sustain us today, to keep us going and and to help us live today. And we need to live today. John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. You guys are so fast. I've never met anybody on, a, on a, a desk who's that fast before. Hey, well done. That's incredible. Give her a round of applause. I just have never seen this before. Normally, it's, it's a catch-up stuff, but this year ahead of me down there, and I haven't given you the scriptures. I am the bread of life. Jesus, what he's talking about in that passage, he goes on to talking about not doing his own will, but doing the will of the Father who sent him. Now, listen to this. Seed talks about the future. Bread talks about today. And when Jesus talks about bread, he talks about doing the will of his Father in heaven. So bread speaks about obedience of what he wants us to do today. Do you remember in John chapter 4 and verse 34, the disciples had gone away to buy food. Jesus is sitting by a well. Do you remember speaking to a lady from Sychar in Samaria? And he, he, the disciples come back and they're surprised that they see him speaking with this woman. And they've gone away to buy food. And he, they come back and they said to him, has somebody given him some food? Has somebody given him some bread? And he stops them and he says, hey guys, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's my bread. My bread, my food is to obey him today. Are you with me? Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, Jesus said this, What man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? I was over in the States last year, and a guy, I was at a conference, a missions conference up in in San Antonio, and, and the guy who was speaking spoke on this verse. And he said that God spoke to him as he was reading this passage of Scripture, and here's what he felt God was saying. God said to him that he's not getting many requests for bread and fish, more for stones and serpents. That he's getting more people asking him for stones and serpents, the stuff 
of this life that can ultimately rise up and bite us, but not so much for bread and for fish. Now, the passage that I'm looking at this morning, Mark chapter 6, 41 to 43, the, the bit more, a bit less than, than Kathy read to us, the actual feeding of the 5,000. The context of that story is that Jesus has just been told that his cousin, John the Baptist, has been killed in prison. His disciples are tired, so just before this happens, he calls them together and he says, hey guys, let's go away to a quiet place and let's get some rest. And so the context of this passage is they are tired out. They've got bad news. In fact, everything appears to have gone wrong. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in the place where, hey, you're tired, you're fed up, you're weary? Somebody says you just praise the Lord and you want to deck them. You want to give them a little knuckle sandwich rather than just joining in their advice. Sometimes we feel like that. But in this passage, look what Jesus did. He took the five loaves, the two fish, and he made an incredible, incredible miracle. But I want you to notice something this morning that relates to where you are at the minute. Look, at, just read through it with me. When he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, gave them to his disciples to set before them, and the two fish he divided among them all. I was at a meeting again in San Antonio just last January. And I was sitting in the meeting. I was one of the speakers. I'd spoken on the Sunday, but I wasn't speaking on this particular morning. And so when I got to the meeting, the preacher was preaching on this passage of Scripture. I don't know exactly what he said, but he said something that challenged me so much. It was almost like I was in a meeting when God took one of the spotlights, turned it around, and aimed it at me. Have you ever been in a meeting like that? Have you been in a meeting where it didn't matter who else was there, who else wasn't there? It was God speaking to you. Maybe this morning will be like that to you. But almost like everybody else became irrelevant. He turned it around and and spoke directly to me. Let me tell you what actually happened. I had got up that morning. This was in January this year. Now, in January, I was in America by myself over for about three weeks in some churches up in San Antonio. And the main reason for going was I was speaking at a missions conference in a church in in, uh, San Antonio. Now, England is six hours ahead of the United States in everything. You know that. That's just the the way that is. Get used to it, all right? Six hours ahead. so So the homeland I'm talking from this morning. So I'm in San Antonio. I get up in the morning, and of course, Kathy's already up. It's about three o'clock in the afternoon when I ring her. And January this year, I've had a very busy year, as well as preaching at home, doing what I do at home uh, with International Gospel Outreach and the stuff that I'm involved in there. In February, I was heading off to to Ethiopia. I go there every year and I host a leaders conference for a hundred guys. Cost me about four and a half thousand dollars every year in February. That's one of the things that, one of the reasons I come to America at this time of the year. I fund that and the money that's raised in America goes, I never take it out. It goes directly to my work in in Africa. That's just the way that I've been running things for years. So I was waiting. As soon as I got back from the conference, I was going to Ethiopia. Then in in March, I was going to Pakistan. Pakistan's an expensive place. In, In 
in, then in, in March, April, I think it was April, I might get the dates wrong, went off to, to Ghana, had a busy program in Ghana, and then I went to the Ivory Coast. The Ivory Coast is the second most expensive country in Africa, after South Africa. So I was going to a conference there. And a lot of these things I have to fund. So when I came back then from that, it was our 30th wedding anniversary this year. So as a family, we went to Guatemala. So we flew through America into Guatemala. And so in January, I was facing all of these things. So I knew that 2013 was going to be an expensive year. You'd agree with me. I don't have a church behind me. I'm trusting God for all the things that I do. So this year was going to be an expensive year. So on on the phone to Kathy, she said to me, she said, somebody has sent you a check. And so I thought, praise the Lord, I've had a check. I said, how much was the check for? She told me it was for 50 pounds. That's about $80, I guess. Do you know my first reaction? Now, your answer to this, of course, will depend on how spiritual you think I am. I'm taking a risk this morning. Do you know what my first reaction was when when Kathy said it was for for 50 pounds? I'll tell you what it was so you don't shout out at me and make me feel awful. My first reaction was, it's not enough. It's not enough. Have you ever said that? Have you ever said what you have is not enough? Have you ever looked at your gifts and abilities and said, hey, God, it's not enough? Have you ever looked at your, your family and thought, God, how can you do this? It's just not enough. Have you looked at the house you live in and thought, God, this it just isn't enough? I know what you've called me to do, but it's just not enough. Have you ever said that? Well, I said, you know, it's a dangerous thing to say it first thing in the morning because I had this rattling in my ears as I went to the meeting that day. It's not enough. So instead of being blessed for somebody giving me a check, it might, I can't remember who it was. It might have been a little old lady in a church somewhere who thought, I'll really bless Kingsley and Kathy. I'll send them a check for 50, 50 pounds. They'll be so pleased. Here's this miserable little tyke on my way off to a conference saying it's not enough. How bad is that? That's a bit ungrateful, isn't it? You said that a bit loud. So you could have... A little bit more compassionately than that, but yes, it was. I take it. It was. It was. It was a bad response. But you know, when you say that to yourself in the morning, it can actually flavor your whole day. That you get up in the morning, say, for example, your nose is running. You say, "I'm getting the flu." Your day will be ruined by the time night comes. You better see your doctor because you're getting the flu. What you say in the morning will dictate the rest of your day. So I got along to the meeting, and the guy was preaching on the feeding of of the 5,000, and he said something I'd never heard before. He said, Jesus ignored the five loaves and the two fish. He never said a thing about the five loaves and the two fish. Do you know, today in our church, what we'd have wanted to do, and this would be good, I'd have found a little boy. I'd have found, hey, where is it? John tells us there was a little boy, brought his packed lunch, five loaves and two fish. I'd have wanted to bring him to the front. And I'd have wanted to say to everybody, look at this wonderful boy. He's given us all his dinner. Isn't that fantastic? And I'd have got you all to give him a round of applause and bless the little fellow. Wouldn't, wouldn't you have done that? Jesus doesn't even mention the boy. Or what he could have done on the other extreme, he could have called the disciples to himself and said, listen, guys, I know you're talking faith here, but listen, you're going to make me look stupid. I mean, do you see the people, 5,000 men, women and children, probably 12,000 people sitting there on the, on the hillside, and you have the audacity to give me five loaves and two fish. What are you on, guys? That could have been the response, but Jesus doesn't give that response at all. If you look at the passage, stick it up there for me again, would you, sweetheart, just on the, on the, over, uh, on the screen, that particular first verse, Mark 6, 4. When he'd taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he blessed. That means 
he gave thanks. He doesn't even look at them. He doesn't, we don't even know, I don't even know what he did. He may, may not even have, he just took them in his hands. He lifted them up to heaven and he gave thanks. That was his first response was to give thanks. Now your theme is bringing thanks, bringing, bringing thanks to the Lord. I discovered something about thanks. Thanks, to give thanks is eutychus, is the Greek word to give thanks. And in, in the Anglican church, you know when you have communion, we sometimes call it Holy Communion or the Lord's Supper. The Anglican churches call it the Eucharist. And Eucharist is the word that means giving thanks because Jesus broke the bread and he gave thanks. That's why they call it the Eucharist. But Jesus gave thanks. Thanksgiving, the word Eucharist, you means well. Charis is the word grace. And what happens when you give thanks is it releases grace to work in your life. That's what happens. As soon as you give thanks, then grace is released in your life. That's an amazing fact. That's why the Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And that's why if you were to look up in in a a concordance the words thanks or thanksgiving, you'll find it comes right throughout the scripture. Jesus, our God does it many, many times, sets a tribe aside to give thanks, has people marching out on the walls of the city to give thanks, has the the, the tribe of of Judah, which is praise, of course, the, the newest, I don't know if it's the newest baby in the church, but little Judah James, is praise. It's, it's, it's giving thanks, it's giving praise, it's saying, hey God, you've done something incredible. When you give thanks, you release the grace of God to work in your life. Now think about that. When you go home today, maybe the car that you're in is not the car that you would really like to have. And you've said, God, I really won't need that car, I need that car, I need that car. I want you to change your thinking today. As you drive out of the car park here, say, God, I'm thankful for the car I'm driving today. When you look at your children today and you maybe don't think they're exactly the way you want them to be, instead of saying, oh God, would you change my child? Start giving thanks for the child that you have. When you're eating your dinner today, maybe it's not a steak that you wanted to afford, but maybe you're on, I don't know, macaroni cheese. Give thanks for the macaroni cheese that you're eating today. When you're dressing up tomorrow morning and you wish you had, could go to the mall and spend $100 on a new outfit, just give thanks for the outfit you already have, because you will then release God to work, his grace to work in your life. Thanksgiving. So I'm sitting in the service there. I'm feeling like a dog. I'm not feeling blessed at all. I'm feeling like God has turned the spotlight around on me and says, you're a dog. Of course, he doesn't speak like that, but that's just me. I felt awful. All the missionaries, because it was was a missionary convention, they met together afterwards and, and had a meal together. I couldn't join them. I went off to Starbucks on my own. I sat for about two hours, and this is the truth. I repented before God for about two hours. And I came away from that and I says, God, I will never, I will never stop giving you thanks for what you've given to me. And I haven't done that since. So whatever I receive, the first response now is thank you. Because let's face it, if it isn't the response, you will never have enough to do what you want to do with. 
You're never, because there's always something more. As people of faith, there's always something more that you could have. If only you had more. I've heard people say, God, if I could win the lottery, if I could have a million pounds. Listen, whether that happens or not, we live our lives as if somehow some American dream is going to hit us in the future. Listen, we are the way we are today, baby, and that's the way it is. So we have to respond the way we are, and the way we, we respond to what we have is we give thanks. And so I changed that day, and it's changed my life. My life has changed since that day. I don't know how God paid for all the things I've done this year, but when I was in Pakistan, that's why I showed you that video at the beginning. When I was in Pakistan, God showed me something. And here's, you see in this, in this passage that I read to you, here's the disciples. Jesus calls them by, to come away and rest for a little while. And then when he gets to the place where the people are, The Bible says that Jesus, he looked up and he saw the people and he was filled with what? Compassion. And he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. Later on in the day, the disciples come back to Jesus and they say to Jesus, hey, we've seen the same people you've seen. We're looking at the same people you're looking at. But I want to tell you what we see. We see a need we cannot meet. So send them away. That's what they said. They said it's already late. The people are hungry. They're going to have to go buy food. So send them away. And then Jesus, I guess if I could read in in between the stories, Jesus thinking, I wonder if these disciples seen what I've done here today. He said, you give them something to eat. And here's my point today. If you can see it, you have enough to pay for it. Do you get that? If you can see it, you have enough to pay for it. There will always be enough in the five loaves and the two fish to do whatever God has shown you that you can do. And that's the reason why when I was in Pakistan... I saw some, I don't know if you noticed that, but in the video, I put put a wee bit in the beginning about rewriting the story of Pakistan, then he comes to it in the end. But as the interview is going on, he's very pan-faced, Muslim John, as I'm speaking to him, giving us the reality of what life is like in Pakistan, until it comes to the place where he says, we're going to rewrite the story. You'll have noticed that his, his whole complexion changes when he says, we're going to rewrite the story of Pakistan. Why? Because we're talking faith there. And God showed both of us together what he wanted to do in that place. And because we've seen it, I have a response that I can make. I can say, God, it's too dangerous. God, who would go with me? Maybe nobody, although I have already got a team coming with me. God, how am I going to pay for it? Because the 500 liters at $15 a head over two days, it comes up to, that's 15,000. I had a youth conference while I was there. If any of you want to have a look at it, I put a bit of stuff on my app on J16, and it's on the website. Have a look at what happened in the youth event. I did this youth program. There were people killed while I was there, 20-something killed while I was there because of the elections. And so transport was canceled on the day I had the youth conference. 252 of those kids made their way to that venue. 
I anointed every one of them with, with oil. I think it was oil. It was bright green. Kathy's a bit suspect of what I used. But have, I don't think it was kryptonite. But something happened to them when I put that stuff on their head at the end. We couldn't finish the meeting. We just couldn't stop the meeting. The kids, the kids in, in Pakistan are very, they're very reserved. Girls sit one side, fellas sit the other side. And they're quite reserved. But the thing took off. It went absolutely bonkers. They started to sing and dance and chant. And, and we couldn't stop the meeting. We just had to give up and let them do what they wanted to do. Because something is going to happen in March in Pakistan this year. Something dynamic is going to happen. And I've seen it. And because I've seen it, I already have the five loaves and the two fish that God will use to pay for it. I don't need it next year. I'm I'm still doing all the other things I'm doing. I don't go to places like that every year. It should be the year after. But I have to do it because I've seen it. If I don't say yes, God will raise up somebody else to do it. That's fine if he wants to raise up somebody else, but I believe God wants me to do it. Now, here in this area, what does God want you to do? What does God want you to do? I just wonder, and here's a challenge for me, as it may be a challenge for you. I wonder how many times God has let me see something, but because I've been more concentrated and focused on my resources, my response has been, Lord, send them away. And then God did the job that he wanted to do, but he had to use somebody else to do it. I can't give you an answer to that because I really don't know. I'm sure you've heard many times about Reinhard Bonnke in, 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 uh, in Germany. When Reinhard Bonnke in, in Germany was a few years ago, he, he produced a leaflet that went round all the, the homes in Great Britain called From Minus to Plus. I don't even remember how many years ago it was. But how it happened was he was on his bed in Germany, came home from Africa, Reinhard Bonnke and Sifan, their vision is a blood-washed Africa. God spoke to him while he was lying on his bed, says, I want you to produce this magazine. I want you to put it through every home in Great Britain, in, in the United Kingdom. I want you to, and it was going to cost millions. And lying on his bed, he said to God, God, you did not tell me to do that. You gave me a vision of a blood-washed Africa. I was not called to Britain. And, and, and God spoke to him. He, he heard the voice of God, and it said this to him, you are not my first choice. He heard God say that to him. You're my number three. Number one and number two said no. Do you know what his response to God was? There will never be a number four. That's what he said to God. And I don't know how he did it, but I, I remember because we were there and, and, and our home got minus the plus. We were in North Allerton at the time. So it was going way back to 19, probably early 90s, very early 90s. But God would have used somebody else. Now, God has placed you in your business, in your job, wherever you are. Maybe you're working on the, on the checkout. On, it's the checkout, isn't it? I call it till On the checkout in Walmart. Maybe that's your job. And God's put you in that place. Why has he put you there? Part of the reason that he's put you there is to reach the people in Walmart. Walmart needs Jesus. Maybe God's given you a business that he wants you to do something in. Maybe God has you. I don't know. I don't know where you are. Maybe you work in the bank or maybe you are a minister of some kind. God doesn't put us all into ranks. and He calls us to do what he calls us to do. Some of us he set aside to work in the ministry. But God help us if we were all in the ministry. God places you where he wants you to be. But what he wants you to see is the people that he's placed you with. And when you open your eyes, God's eyes say, I see people as sheep without a shepherd. 
And when we see them as sheep without a shepherd, he then has given us the five loaves and the two fish that we need to feed those people. Sometimes the response is, Lord, send them away. But God doesn't want us to do that. So to encourage you this morning, as you go ahead in in your new building and in wherever God will guide you to, and as new people come in, we can't see the circumstances that will face you as you go a year, two years, three years down the road. None of us can see those circumstances. I don't know the people in the future who will provide for what I'm doing in Pakistan. I don't know. Maybe there'll be a businessman who'll give me the whole amount. I don't know. But when it happens, it will happen, by the way. It will happen. But when it happens, then I could say, wow, wasn't I lucky? No, it's got nothing to do with luck. When it happens, is that when I start saying, thank you, God, for the five loaves and the two fish? I've got to say thank you now for the five loaves and the two fish because that releases the grace of God to work in my life. It does some amazing things in my life because not only does it meet every need, but it means that I can go to bed at night and I can sleep like I should sleep because I am not my provider. God is my provider. And for you in this place, you are not your provider Although God will use you and will use the jobs that you're in as you're faithful in giving to him. But you are not your provider. God is the source of your provision. And there's a testimony waiting to happen. You're waiting, a testimony you're waiting to see happen. And then you'll be able to say, God was in this thing. So when God spoke to me about this, it has changed. This is probably one of the biggest lessons I've ever had to learn in my life. And I'm trying to walk that out. So I pray this morning that God will bless you with this and that you will learn to be a person who, when we come into thanks bringing, we give thanks. And it's not, by the way, being thankful. There's a difference. The Bible doesn't say to be, well, it does say to be thankful, but it doesn't stop there. You know, if somebody gives something to our kids, you know, what's the first thing you say? Say thanks. I don't want them just to be thankful. They can be thankful and silent. God doesn't want you to be thankful and silent. He wants you to bring, to give thanks, because that will release something powerful. And you're at the beginning, maybe just the beginning, of a multiplication in your ministry. Because as you give, give thanks, God then, His grace, which always... Every time grace is mentioned in the Bible, miracles are very close behind and provisions very close. Boldness. You look, you look where grace comes. There's a multiplication of boldness and effectualness that comes along with grace. And that starts with giving thanks. Let's pray together. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.